second time. There we go. Um, we are talking about Peter this morning, and I'm glad that you got the benefit from that rap. I'm sure that you were looking forward to that. My sons have said, told me for years now that if we would just have rap as the worship music, they would totally be into it. Um, but being their dad and having them rap all around the house all the time, I'm, I've, I've, I have offered them, like, if you want to lead the rap, it's, you, know, you lead the way. So anyway, got to enjoy that this morning. So we're, this is actually, we're getting down to the close and the, the last legs of our Peter series. We're in 2 Peter this morning. And um, the topic that Peter is covering is how to spot a false teacher. Like, what is it, what's a false teacher look like? And really, the essence of it is, where does deception come from and how do you recognize it? Really, it's kind of his warning letter to say, listen, I need to warn you about some things in your life so that you don't go off the tracks, you don't go the wrong way, you don't have something that hurts you in your life because you didn't know it was coming. So essentially, it's kind of like, you know, the early warning systems that we all have in life that we recognize, he wants us to feel the same thing. And we will have we all recognize early warning systems in our life, and I brought some along this morning for you to hear, and I thought we'd just start off with a little game. See, how many of you recognize what the, what the warning system is for and what it warns you about? So let's see how well you do. Let's have the first one. What's that? Right, Carl, so if you're a thief, it warns you don't steal this car, right? It's got an alarm on it. I, and I got to tell you, before we even go to the next one, first service, we played all these. And we forgot to tell the children's ministry that we were playing them. It goes to the PA out there. So they were totally freaked out. It was really funny. Later, they're like, do you know what you did to us? Like, we thought there was all. Anyway, let's, let's hear the next one. Right? What's that one? Oh, it could be three mile. Right. Right. <laughs> if it's three mile island, run quickly. I believe that's what one of the one of the gals who worship or worship leader here said she works at a school near Three Mile Island. Like, what is the drill? She's like, run. That's basically the drill. Run, run as fast as you can. Right. Or like a fire. Right. Like sounds a little bit like the fire thing. Like means there's going to be a fire someplace. What, let's hear next another one. So you hear that? What's it mean? Right, get out of the way. You're about to be run over, so it's best that you get out of the way. There's a fire truck coming through. What else? This is one of my favorites when I was a kid, right? Little colored lines come on the screen. We only got like two or three channels when we were a kid, and like they were mostly fuzzy. So like it was like, oh, that's great. And it always came on during your favorite show, right? Like, why can't you time this for the commercial break, right? Like, so you hear that, what do you think? Yeah, like, right, there's a weather, there's a zombie apocalypse, there's something that you need to pay attention to next, right? Something is coming, you need to pay attention to it, right? Do we have another one yet? Is that it? Right, everyone knows this one, right? It's a smoke alarm, so when it goes off, what do you do? Right, you run, you get, get out of the house, like, it tells you, get up out of bed, get the kids, get out of the house. It's an early warning system. You don't want a late warning system, right? Like the smoke alarm goes off after you've caught on fire. Not helpful. Not helpful at all. You need an early warning system. Something that tells you before you have damage, before things go wrong, I recognize it, I hear it, and I do something about it. In fact, I was talking to someone earlier um, about this, and they said when they heard like the, the big siren kind of sound, they remember living in the Midwest, and that's a tornado warning there. And so, you know, when they do the, they, they, she, yeah, see, right? I, 
uh, actually, when I hear this, I don't know why, but I just think World War One, and I should dive under a desk somewhere like it's a bomb drill. I'm not that old, but yet I still want to do that. But she said when she heard it, she remembers the first time in the Midwest hearing it and having the person with her like, we have to get somewhere now. Like they had to dive into the bathtub and cover up with mattresses because you get that feeling like, oh my word, something is about to go amiss. This is what Peter wants us to pick up today. This is what he wants us to, to understand. And if you've ever been in a place where you've experienced deception, you've experienced harm, you know how much damage it can do. Pastor Matt and I were talking this week, and he's preaching at Gettysburg Pike, and he was saying how his daughter, Kenzie, who's like three or four, came to him one Friday and said, hey, Daddy, I want to spend time with you. And he's like, well, Kenzie, I have to work today, but tomorrow I'll have off, and then I'll work again on Sunday, and then Monday I'll have off, so we can spend time together then. So the weekend goes through, and she comes to him on Sunday night, and he's putting her to bed, and she says, Daddy, you tricked me. She's all upset about it, you know. You tricked me. And he's like, what do you, what do you mean, Kenzie, I tricked you? She said, you said you were going to spend the whole day with me today, and you didn't. He's like, no, 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 today was Sunday. Tomorrow is Monday. That's my day off, and that's when we could spend the whole day together. And she was just like, oh, I thought you tricked me, you know. And so there, that, like, that whole disappointment in her voice, we've all experienced it. Whether it's I, bought, I got sold a car that was not the car I expected, and I got duped, and now I'm just frustrated about it, or whether it was at work and someone sent you down the wrong road, and they had an agenda to it, and you felt duped, you felt deceived by it, or whether it was a friend who maybe manipulated you, and you were just felt that sense of betrayal, or maybe it was even you bought the abs transformer thing, and you're still waiting for your abs to be transformed. Like, whatever it is, you know what that feeling is of deception, and you know that it can cause a lot of harm in your life. And that's what Peter wants to warn us about. It's don't be deceived. Don't have that experience where you're like, yikes, I wish I had known about that earlier. And so Peter tells us and warns us in this experience, like, listen, you need to understand that there is deception in your life. And the bottom line here is this. God loves you with an enormous amount of love. You just need to understand that right up front. The reason that Peter is warning everybody about this is he's lived his life and he said, listen, I know God has his best intentions for you. I've lived a long time, and I've been fooled in many ways, and now I'm looking back over my shoulder, and I want to give you this warning. God loves you. He has this incredible plan in your life, but you've got to pay attention because it's easy to go off the wrong path. It's easy to go the wrong direction. And so this morning, whether you are made a commitment to Jesus and you're like, hey, I'm in, or you haven't, there is good directions from God. God has the very best for you. He wants you to live an incredible life, and there's good advice out there. And if you've ever taken bad advice, you know it's not a good idea. And so if you don't know Jesus, there's still good advice for you this morning. You don't want to be deceived, and so pay attention to some of these warning signs. And if you're a follower of Jesus, all the more to pay attention and say, I'm in, and I want my relationship with Jesus to be the very best that I can have, and I don't want to be deceived. So if you pull out your outline this morning, you can follow along as we talk a little bit about how do I spot a deception? How do I know that it's coming? How do I create an early warning? And Peter says the first way that he talks about is you spot a deception because it diminishes Jesus and what he taught. It diminishes Jesus and what he taught. Now, world over, um, people have this kind of respect for Jesus. No matter what you think of Jesus, world over, religions have a great opinion of Jesus. They may not believe Jesus to be the same person that I believe the Gospels teach him to be, but they would agree. That guy had good advice. He lived a good life. It was a life worth emulating. And so world over, like, Jesus has a good rep for that kind of thing. 
But Jesus is so much more than that. And so Peter says, I want you to pay attention that anytime there's something in your life, a piece of media, and we have all kind of media and those kind of things that become small messages for us. Little things in your life like that Spotify playlist, those movies you go to, those concerts you hear, the great YouTube video on Facebook, like all of them in some form become small deceptive messages in our life. And if you're not paying attention to them, they can give you a message and send you off in a direction that you're going to regret a long time from now. And so Peter says this. He says in 2 Peter chapter 2, there will be false teachers among you and they will cleverly teach you destructive heresies that even deny the master who brought them. And so there's going to be people around you. There's going to be forms of media around you that are going to teach you destructive heresies, things that are subtle, things that don't stand out a lot, just little messages that send you off just in the wrong direction. And a lot of times the way you recognize them is they deny the master who brought them. They deny the master, the Jesus who created them. And in this way, it says that these false teachers will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their own evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. Now, you've probably all experienced some bad advice in your life, right? Like someone told you to do something, and after they told you to do it, you were like, I really wish I wouldn't have done it, right? Like they got you to go off that, that you know, 100-foot cliff dive, you know, and you're like, boy, I wish I hadn't done that. They, they got you to go a little fast when you were a teenager in the car, and you dented it, and you had to bring it home to mom and dad, and you regretted it, right? Like, all of those things in our life. There are plenty of places where people have given us bad advice. Little messages, we tried it, we were like, eh, that wasn't such a good idea. And Peter's saying, listen, Jesus has some good advice. Jesus is the best advice because of who Jesus is, because of the way Jesus lives, because of what he did for us. And if you don't understand that, it's easily to be deceived. You can have a message come into your life, and if you don't know who Jesus is and what he taught, it's easy to go, oh, that sounds like a good idea. I remember in college listening to um, Journey for the first time, for, well, not for the first time, for a long, after a long time. And if you don't know it, like I grew up in the 80s, so we had the best shallow music ever created, right? Had great tunes to it, a great shallow message over and over, great shallow movies. This was a part of my life in the 80s. So I remember listening to this Journey song, and it was basically be good to yourself. It basically said, right, take care of yourself. You're the number one person you have to take care of. And it was just as I was coming to Jesus, and all of a sudden, this early warning system went up for me. I was like, wait a second. That's, that's a pretty selfish message. And I kind of liked it, right? Like, wow. That's just saying, like, take care of yourself. And so there's these little subtle messages in our life, and we have to be careful. And G- Peter says, the baseline truth in your life, it's who Jesus is and what Jesus taught. So who is Jesus? Well, the Gospels declare Jesus as a historical fact that Jesus was God himself. He claimed to be God himself. He went to the cross. I don't know anyone else who predicted his own death and resurrection and then pulled it off. I know lots of people who talked about it, but he's the only one who historically pulled it off. He claimed himself not to just be a good man. And so Jesus is not just a good man. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just another Gandhi. Um, He's not a Democrat. He's not a Republican. He's not your sugar daddy. He is God in the flesh. And he's not dead, he is alive. This is who Jesus is. And so when you understand and have this concept of reality, the spirituality that Jesus is alive, is God himself, it changes everything for how you're going to approach life, who you're going to count on, the fact that you know that he's with God and he's on your side, the fact that you know that when he died on the cross, he bridged the gap so that God's not mad at you anymore. 
He took care of things that we could never take care of himself. That's who Jesus is. And the message of the gospel is not primarily about how you can get things better yourself. We talked about this the other week. It's, not, it's just not about like, hey, you can have your need filled and feel better about yourself. The primary message of the gospel is that I came to reform you, to change you, and to give you what you most deeply need. And that's God himself. The message of the gospel is kind of this moment where we realize, if you understand the gospel, that we all have done wrong things. We've all been, it doesn't matter how good you are, right? You've all, we've all done bad things. Like you may not be a murderer, but you probably are a liar. You may not be a, a horrible you know, a person. You may not have robbed banks. You may not have betrayed friends, but you may have had lustful thoughts. Whatever it is, sin is offensive to God because God is holy and perfect. And this is Jesus. Jesus comes into the courtroom of our life. He sits behind the bench, and we're all sitting there going, yeah, I'm guilty. I've had things that are offensive to God. And unfortunately, Jesus says, okay, well, Listen, you are guilty. We're agreeing on that. And the penalty for this is death. And then he does something that you don't understand because you feel the weight of that. He does something that completely astounds you because he walks out behind the bench. He comes down and stands beside you. He puts his hand on his shoulder and says, and though the penalty is death, I want you to know that I'm willing to pay the penalty for you. Though you are guilty and I am not, I am willing to take your guilt and your shame and I'll take it upon myself. And all you have to do is accept it. All you have to do is say, you've got a brand new start with me, and I'll come into your life, and I will transform you. That is the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is you are now empowered because Jesus is in you. The living Jesus is in you and changing your life. This is Jesus. And he, the things that Jesus taught, they weren't to restrict us. They weren't to keep hold us back. Everything that Jesus taught was about a long-term strategy to give you the very best life possible. Every message that you read about Jesus is all about giving you the very best life possible. The kind of life that when you look back over your shoulder 20 years from now, you'll smile and say, I'm glad that I followed that. That's the Jesus life. And the best part about the gospel is when you don't, there's nobody sticking his finger in your face and saying, see, I knew you wouldn't do it. There's only welcoming arms saying, hey, come on. I'll help you get this right this time. Come on. Let's go on this journey together. I'm with you. I still love you. It's okay. I already knew that was going to happen. In fact, I already paid for it. I saw it coming. It's okay. That's the message of the gospel. And so anything in your life, any message that comes that plays that down is a bad one. I remember um, going to see Avatar. Remember, remember you can see Avatar, the big blue people on the foreign planet, sci-fi flick. Okay, so if you didn't see it, I'm not gonna, you probably don't like sci-fi, and I won't bore you with all the details of it. But essentially, it's about a sci-fi flick about an Indian culture who has Indian beliefs about basically... Um, a sense of kind of animistic beliefs about God is in everything and Mother Nature's kind of part of it, but it's not a personal relationship thing. And so my sons and I saw it. We liked this flick, and on the way home, I just said, hey, how's that different than what, what God says about how this thing works? And, you know, you might be, you know, I, I admit as a pastor, I was you know, theologically going through it in my head as we're watching it, but... We talked about it. Now, we could have just went out of that movie, and they could have gotten deceptive messages, right? We could have all had a little bit of a deceptive message about, oh, maybe God's not so personal. Maybe fate really is just how it happens. Maybe it's really not about anything in my life. But when we walked out, we talked about it. And they recognized, like, well, to them, it was like, you can, you can say any prayer you want, but it's not going to change God's opinion. or He doesn't really care about that. He's going to do whatever he's going to do. And that that's different 
than the Jesus that we know in the Bible who says, I care deeply about you. I care deeply about your life. I care. I'm not, I'm not your sugar daddy, but I care deeply for you, and I want to transform your life. I want to come in and make changes, and trust me, they're going to be good. They recognize that there are some differences here. Little small deceptions make a difference. And so Peter says, don't be deceived. You need to have an early warning system. Sirens should go off on your head anytime something diminishes Jesus, makes him less than God, or diminishes his teaching. It says, oh, but that was just for them. No, no, no. This is Jesus' teaching, and it is good for your life, and it will transform you. So this is the first way, the first early warning system. And the antidote, the thing that can help you have that early warning system in place, is to know the Scripture to know what the gospel says. I challenge you whether you know Jesus or you're just on the line like, maybe I want to know this, but maybe I don't. Like, Go check out what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible say about Jesus. Go check out who he is. And I guarantee you it will transform your life. When you recognize the person that he is and the good things he has for your life, it's very transformative. Know the scripture. Know the gospel. Live out the grace of Christ. This will set off the early warning system signs in your life when deception comes. All right, so let's talk about the second message that Peter recognizes. The second thing that he says, here's another way to recognize and spot a deception. Deception is primarily about pleasure's payoff. Anytime you have something come to you and it's about pleasure's payoff, it's a deception. Now, there's all sorts of good things in our life. There, there are great cars to have, great houses to live in. There are great careers to have. There is the opposite sex. Like all of those things are good things that God gave us within a context to enjoy. But the problem is when we get into a place where those, the payoff of those things are what we try to fill our life with, and our life is all about chasing those things, something messes up in our life, and we get on a cycle. Uh, we get in a cycle of just spiraling, and we find ourselves not in a place of goodness but deception because. We're all about the payoff. And anytime you're just about the payoff, you do all kinds of things to get the payoff and find yourself deceived. Find yourself in a place of like, boy, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I mean, I thought it was going to be this big payoff, but that we're like kids at Christmas. You know what happens at Christmas, right? You open that gift when you're a kid. For 15 minutes, it is the best thing in your life. And then you never play with it again, right? Why is that? Because that's what we're all about. Pleasures pay off. Bing! And then it's gone, and you need another one. And the problem is, with our appetites, is they just get hungrier, right? So Peter says it this way. He says, they commit to adultery with their eyes. So these false teachers would commit to adultery with their eyes, which means I'm always longing for what I don't have. Never looking at what I do have, always looking at what I don't have. Always want something that's not God's timing for me, that's not in the way God wants me to have it. And their desire for sin is never satisfied. There's the appetite thing. You know what happens when you feed an appetite? You get hungry. Trust me, I have teenage boys. When you feed them, they just get hungrier. There is never enough to eat in our house. And it's the same way in our life with sin. We can never have enough. We, we want pleasures payoff, but when you get the payoff, it's not enough to last, and so you want another payoff. And it says they lure unstable people into sin. They are well-trained in greed. They live under God's curse. They have wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam, the son of bear who loved to earn money by doing wrong. You know, good or bad, things in your life can all become the same thing. Pleasures pay off. You can have bad things in your life that are pleasures pay off, but you can also have good things. And whatever you have in your life, when you get into the cycle of want, where you want something 
and you start to dwell on it, and you need it, and you desire it, and it starts to occupy all your time and your thoughts and your energy, you're in this cycle of deception. If I just had that, then I would have this deep thing that I need, this thing that I really desire, and it can never replace that. And Peter says that if you do that, you've fallen into the footsteps of Balaam the prophet. Now, who is he? He's this dude in the Old Testament who is a prophet, who God gave messages so that he could give messages to other people to help steer them the right direction. But he decided that the payoff from God was not good enough. God did not pay well enough, and so he would take other people's money to tell whatever message they wanted him to tell to influence whatever people group they wanted influenced to do whatever. He didn't care about the right and wrong anymore. He liked the payoff of it. And we all find ourselves in those places, right? Where something in our life, we're just like, you know, I've been doing this, following Jesus, or I've been trying to do this thing, and I just don't like the payoff. It's just not a good enough payoff. I'm just not convinced. I, just, I would rather just have this thing. Like maybe I can have Jesus and I can have this, right? Like I can just add this. Then it'll, Jesus will be good enough. Peter says, be careful. You're in the midst of a deception. We all go through the cycles. I had two or three conversations this week about the same want cycle. Um, my wife asked me a few, uh, like I guess my birthday in February, she said, hey, what do you want for your birthday? Now, in, the men in my family have a long-standard tradition and the answer to that question. Here it is. I'm good. I don't need anything. I got you. What else do I need, right? Like that's our look. Like you cannot buy my dad a gift because he either already has it or he won't like what you got for him, and he'll go back and return it and get something else. Like, you just can't buy him a gift because he never wants anything, right? At least on his birthday. Anyway, so we have this long-standing tradition. So she asked me, and I say, yeah, nothing. I'm good. Don't worry about it. I'm not high maintenance. Don't need it. Blah, 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 blah. She says, babe, you, you've done this for years. I want to get you something. Can't you, like, can you make something up? Like, surely there's something you need. And she pressed me for it. And so I finally said, well, you know, probably the one thing I, I want um, it's, just, it's just expensive. I probably like to like, just get a little bit better motorcycle. Like I, it's not that I don't like the one I have. It's just when you go 55 or 60 miles an hour, you're going to be like this along the way because it's got one cylinder and it's only 650 and it's a little older. And so I said, maybe I'd like that. I'm like, but that's too expensive. She's like, why don't you just get it? So we get to Father's Day. I still haven't done anything about it. She's like, when are you going to do, like, what do you want for Father's Day? Ah, oh, nothing. I'm good. She's like, here, so she gives me this card of like, here, I give you, here's your certificate of redemption to buy the new motorcycle. And so then I go on this journey to start looking for a motorcycle. And you know what happens, right? When you want that new thing and now you've been permission to get it. I've got eBay, you know, watching on eBay. And so I've got like all these emails coming in from eBay. And I've got these messages from Oodles Motorcycle where it's posted anywhere in the world. You know, the motorcycles I want, they're coming up and they're emailing me. And suddenly I am absorbed with all of my energy and time thinking about this new motorcycle. And what happens is the little red flag goes off, a little siren in my head, because, see, I've been down this road before. I've been that kid who, like, gets it and is like, it's not going to fulfill me. And the worst part is, in the meantime, I'm being deceived to think that it will fulfill me, and so I'm missing out on opportunities to be with my family, to love the people around me, to enjoy what God's giving me. I'm missing all of that because I'm in the want cycle. And so the early warning signs went off, and I said, you know what, God, when you want to give me that, I'll take it. But in the meantime, I'm not going to let it consume me because I want to follow you more than I want that thing. 
It's, my life is not about the payoff of having that thing. Life is about you and the goodness in my life. And when I get 20 years down the road, I won't care if I had a motorcycle, right? I will care that I enjoyed time with my family, that I had people around me that were important. And when I get 20 years down the road, if God gave that to me as a gift, you know what I'm saying? Like it just came up and it was in the right thing. You felt good about it. Man, how much better would that be? Like I remember that. I remember that day that that person was like, hey, why don't you look over here? I saw this thing and it was just the right price. You're like, wow, how much better would that be? That would be much better. So God says, don't be about that. Now, you might be sitting there going, but hey, listen, pastor, I know that's you because you're like a holy man because, you know, that's, you know, I know that's the perception I've given you all that I'm some holy man, but that's you. But I kind of like the payoff, right? Like I, I've been doing this. So I kind of like the payoff of having like entertainment and music, all the stuff in my life. I like that. I like the popularity. I, I'm all about that. I love to be loved by people. I'm I'm all about my career. I like to pay off of that. I like to have the money. I like to do whatever I want with it. You know what? That's fine. Run that rabbit to the end of the road. But here's my prediction. 20 years from now, you'll look back over your shoulder. And you'll have been as popular as you want to be, but you'll look back over your shoulder and you'll say, I live somebody else's life. I didn't ever get to be the person that God wanted me to be. 20 years from now, when you run that rabbit of all the money and the career and everything else that you had, you might feel really important in the day, but someday, 20 years from now, you'll be retired. You'll look back over your shoulder and say, I prioritized that over my family and my friends, and now I don't have them. And I wish I have changed that. 20 years from now, if you prioritize things like that over your life, all the entertainment you want, all the TV, all the other things that you can fill your life with, you won't have goodness, you'll have emptiness. And that's why Jesus says, don't do that. It's Peter's warning. It's don't be deceived. There are good things in your life that I want for you. God wants to be invested in your life. So beware of the madness of want. That's really what he's saying. Beware of the madness of want. So what's the early warning system? Early warning system is this. If you want to know and have the sirens go off in your head, then learn to be patient. You, whatever it is you think you need and you need it now and you want that, you feel that like, I got to go get it, I got to, you feel that sense of like urgency, slow down and go, I don't, it'll still be there tomorrow. I don't have to have it right now. Slow down and then learn to be generous. Ask yourself this question. Is this going to help me be generous to the people I love and to the people around me who are in need? Does this help me be generous? If it doesn't help you be generous in some way, and There are things that you can buy and there are things you can have and there are things you can enjoy that will help you be generous. You can steward not just money, but you can steward things that you have. You can steward relationships that are in your life. All of that can be good. The question is, will this help me be more generous? And by asking that question, you create an early warning system for yourself to say, whoa, slow down, wait a second. So Peter says, listen, Early warnings, first thing you need to recognize, I need to know, like, does it diminish Jesus or his teaching? Second thing is, hey, be careful. If it's all about pleasures, payoff. You've got to be really ready for that. And the third one that Peter talks about is be careful because deception promises freedom, but it delivers destruction. Now, we have this little proverb in our own culture that talks about the same thing. And I bet you guys can end it for me, okay? I'll start it, you can end it. If it seems too good to be true, 
Yeah, right? You all know it. Why? Because you've all experienced. You've been down the road of deception where you're like, oh, that sounded so good. Man, I wanted that. And then you're like, oh. Now, we get, we get telemarketer calls at my house all the time. And so um, we'll get calls for like all kind of offers, right? Great things that they have for us, a great job, a way to make money. Uh, and my, my kids are now old enough that they actually like to mess with telemarketers. And so if you're a telemarketer, I apologize to you up front if you've called my house and my sons have talked to you in gibberish or led you on only to like let you down, you know, whatever it is that they've done. I apologize. But the other day, we got this call about a free cruise. And, oh, I'm going to get this free cruise. And so I called. We had put in raffle tickets, and it was from the same place. So I called back. No, you know, warning signs were going up all over the place, right? Like, you have to come at a certain time. You have to bring your spouse. You can't possibly make a decision by yourself. Your spouse has to be there. Oh, and this is not a prize. This is like a reward for coming and listening to this presentation. And I'm like, hmm, sounds like I've, I've heard this before someplace, right? And so... So I hang up the phone, and I just Google them quickly. And, you know, all of this, is, it sounds really good. Like, I'm going to get a four-day cruise. They're going to pay my airfare to get there. I'm going for free with any person I want to take in the world, which my sons were pretty sure were them instead of mom. And I was like, oh, man. So I look it up, and what do I see? Well, hey, yeah, there's a four-day cruise involved, but I paid more for it than I would have paid if I just bought it myself. Like, over and over and over again, because if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. The promise of freedom actually brought debt and destruction into people's lives. And so this is Peter's warning. He says that when false teachers come, they often brag about themselves with empty and foolish boasting. With an appeal to twisted sexual desires, they lure those into sin who have barely escaped that lifestyle of deception. So a little surprise for you in case you thought the Bible was irrelevant sex sells. It is always sold. And so even in that day, he's telling, listen, be careful. The warning flags should go up. You know, we, when, I was, uh, when I worked in the marketplace and we'd go to a conference, we'd always say, if you want to see if the product's good or not, look for the pretty girls. If there's pretty girls, the product is no good, right? Because they're not selling the product, they're selling the girls, right? So it sells. And Peter says, that's a warning sign goes on to say, they promised them freedom, but they themselves are slaves to sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. Man, I love that little line. They promise freedom. They deliver destruction. They live out destruction. Why? Because you're a slave to whatever controls you. Sounds like a little bit like the pleasure payoff thing, right? Like whatever begins to control you, whatever you're thinking about, whatever is controlling your actions, whatever is helping you make decisions in life, you're a slave to that. So if you want money and it's controlling all of your actions to have money, what are you a slave to? Money. If you want to like feel like you're important and loved and, and so you go after sex and that's what you always do is because that makes you feel important and loved and, and respect, whatever, you, you think about it, you do it, it controls your action. What are you a slave to? Sex. Name, put, fill in the blank with whatever it is. And Peter says, you're about to be deceived. You're about to be deceived. And see, in our world, right, none of the movies that they show on TV, none of the places that you go in our world, none of the songs that you listen to, none of them cover the consequences of these things in our life, right? Like casual sex, it's all good. Don't worry about it. None of them ever show the person later in marriage who's like their marriage is a disaster because of that. 
None of them ever show the relational disaster that happens in people's lives afterwards because they got dumped right after. None of them ever show the results of the violence. Like, hey, violence is just a way to solve the problem. But none of them ever show the widows and the family members at the funeral grieving. Why? Because it ruins the deception. Reality often ruins the deception. And Peter says, don't be a slave to just anything. But whatever, so whatever controls your thinking, that's a, slave. that's a great little piece of truth that's helped me ask the right question in my life. Whenever I feel like something is directing my decision-making, I'm really focused on it, and it's coming from there, and it's not God, it helps me go, wait a second, I don't want to be a slave to something else. What is it that's controlling me? Where is it leading me? And Peter says that if you want freedom, then you need to know what freedom is. Freedom is not just getting anything you want. I heard this little quote a while ago. It's really good. Really think deep because it helps you understand the difference of what freedom really is. It says freedom is not having whatever you want. Freedom is about having what you most deeply want. Freedom is not about having anything you want. It's about having what you most deeply want. What do people most deeply want? Love? Security? I don't know anybody who doesn't want to feel loved. I don't know anybody who doesn't want to feel secure. I don't know anyone who doesn't want to feel like I have an identity. I am somebody. I I can be somebody. I don't know anyone who doesn't want to feel like I have a new day. I've been given a new day. I don't have to live under guilt and shame anymore. I don't know anyone who doesn't want that. But often I think people fulfill their wants instead of their most deepest wants. So Peter says, don't do that. In fact, he has this great illustration of what that looks like. Things in our life that we keep going back to over and over to try to get something, a shallow want filled instead of the most deepest want filled. And this is, this is the verse. This may be one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I will always remember it is very vivid. And how often does a guy get to preach about vomit? Okay, so here it is. It's a little nugget of truth. See what I did there? Some of you are getting that right now. All right. They prove that the truth of this proverb, Peter says, a dog returns to its vomit and a washed pig returns to the mud. Man, how disgustingly more vivid could you get with that whole illustration like a dog like a dog returns to its vomit if you've ever had kids if you ever had a dog you had to clean up the vomit like you know how nasty that is i remember uh when i was in our 20s my wife and i had a yellow lab we were we had a f-150 with one of those bench seats that go all vinyl bench seats go all the way across you know kind of tips down and we're in the truck and the dogs lay in between us and the dog like we we i guess we'd gone to around so many corners or whatever but she started doing that thing you know right? And her head's over by my wife, right? Now, there's a whole floor in front of us, right? But my wife is so like, I do not want the dog to vomit on me. She shoves the dog over my way, and the dog goes like this right between my legs. Like, I'm just just gagging, right? And you know, when you're in a bench seat truck like that, like, your legs are apart like this, but there's nowhere to go. And the vomit is just running towards you, and you're like, ah, Uh And you can't get out fast enough. And the wheel is like this big around. So like you can't even, like you're basically wiping the seat off as you get out, right? Like you're cleaning it up. It's all over me. I almost kicked both of them out of the truck that day. It was like, I cannot believe that. And she laughed hysterically. I mean, that was, that was really the worst part. She was laughing hysterically about the whole thing while I was disgusted by it and had to walk. We were on a trip someplace. So I had to walk around the vomit on my jeans like for a good while, it was not a good day for me. So 
Here's the deal. Like, it is disgusting. And if you've ever had a dog and seen it go back to lick up its own vomit, like, other dogs don't go back and lick up its vomit. They go over and sniff at it and go, ew. But uh, your own dog will go back and, like, it'll eat its own vomit. We're like, that is nasty, disgusting. I can't believe we're talking about this in church. And yet, we all have bad behaviors, default things we do, that we know it does not have a good payoff. We know the consequences. We have lived out the hardships of making those decisions. And when times get tough, when we feel most alone, when things go wrong in our life, we go back to that same way of doing things. Things that we're like, I wish I wouldn't do that anymore, and we find ourselves doing it. Some of you have lived that out. Like a dog back to its vomit. And even now you're like, yeah, I hate that cycle. I hate being in that place. And Peter says, in that moment of weakness, don't be fooled. Don't be like a dog going back to its vomit. Don't be deceived. It's not worth it. The payoff is not what you think it's going to be. Peter says, don't be fooled by that. Have an early warning system, a way of saying, I feel like this is what's going on, and so I need something to help me. And here's the thing that will make you most resistant. Give you the early warning. From my experience, it's having authentic and accountable relationships in your life. If you're willing to have those kind of people in your life, and I don't just mean nice people in your life, I mean people that truly care about you and love Jesus. And whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, I'm telling you, these are great people to have in your life. Here's why. If you have somebody like that in your life, they will care enough about you to not leave you stay the way you are. They'll speak truth into your life. And you know what? If they're living this thing of grace out, they got junk in their life too. And so they can be open and honest about that too and say, yeah, here's my junk. And you can speak into each other's lives, hold each other accountable and say, how you doing with that? You, can call, you know what? When you feel weak like that, you feel like you want to go back to that thing, call me. Just call me. I don't care what time it is. Just call me. Those are the kind of people that every one of us need in our lives. And when you have that kind of person in your life, it changes everything for you. I can tell you that from experience. It will help transform your life. Those relationships are essential to an early warning system. So Peter tells us, like, have early warning systems. Don't be deceived. Don't be duped by deception and have catastrophic results because you didn't have the right things in place to say, wait a second, you're about to go over the edge. You need to know about it. God has this incredible plan for every single person in the seat. He has good advice for every one of you. He wants you to know him and walk with him. He loves you. And he invites you not to be deceived. That's Peter's warning to us. Don't be deceived. Don't be the person who's standing on the beach watching the water go out and going, oh, that cool. I've never seen the ocean water go out like that before. I've never seen it like recede for much farther out into the ocean only to find out that what you were watching is a tsunami about to overtake you and you never knew. Don't be the person who looks back 20 years from now with regret. Know Jesus. Know what his gospel and his truth and grace message is for you. Be willing to have some authentic relationships in your life. And learn how to have to be generous, to be patient, to allow God to give you gifts instead of you always being in the want cycle. And God will free you up from those deceptions. So this morning, I want to take a moment and just I encourage you to like look in your program guide. You'll find a little card like this. And at daybreak, this is kind of our symbol for a moment with God. A moment just to make a correction in your life, to make a decision in your life, 
This is kind of a symbol of decision point. So you can, this morning I want you to just take a couple minutes to say, okay, where do I need help? What's the early warning system that just doesn't exist in my life? And I know some of you might be sitting here this morning and you're, you're about ready to make a bad decision. You've, you've been walking down this road and you're thinking, I'm already in it, it's too late, I'm about to decide it. And you know that it's the wrong decision, yet you just, the payoff just seems too great. And I'm warning you, I'm telling you 20 years from now that it's not going to be a good payoff. And this morning, the siren's going off in your head, and you just need to pay attention to it. Say, so, you know what, I'm backing off. You need help, you need prayer, you just need to make a decision this morning about it. Some of you, this morning, you know what it's like to be deceived, and maybe you're 20 years down the road and you are looking back over your shoulder at some point and going, I wish I wouldn't have. I wish I wouldn't have. And now it's just too late. Like, I'm just, I'm going to stay on this path because it's the only one I know. And uh, this morning you need to know that the truth of the gospel is this. There's always a fresh start. There's always a new day with Jesus. And he is the living God who wants to indwell your life and help you change, help you be transformed. Maybe this morning you think, ah, I don't really need that. That whole, you know what? Those things, those messages aren't getting through. I'm good. I don't need anything. I'm fine. You know what? Maybe that's what you think. It's okay. But what if there is? And what if those messages are getting through more than you know? And what if 20 years from now you are that person looking back over your shoulder saying, I missed out on everything that God wanted for me because I just let those little messages send me down wrong paths. You know, I bought a smoke alarm in my house for my house because one of them doesn't work. And uh, I bought it from Amazon. It's been sitting on our kitchen table for about five or six weeks now. My guess is if the fire goes off, the alarm won't work on the table, not put up, right? I implore you today, put up the early warning system. Don't wait any longer. Whatever it is, put it up. Make the decision today. Get it in your life. Figure out how in the next few moments. Because Jesus wants to be part of your life. And it's only him that you can really count. Go ahead and take a few minutes. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for all that you give us. Thank you for how much you love us. Thank you that you warn us not to be deceived and that you have the very best intended for us. So God, help us to know the truth and to live it out. Help us not to be caught up in the want cycles of trying to fill it, our lives with things that aren't really going to fill our deepest wants. Help us to rely on you for that, you alone. In Jesus' name.